0: I have no idea how to make that transition. (laughs) I have the greatest job in the whole world. Seriously. I have the greatest job in the whole world. I want to start today by inviting you into an an exercise, into uh, an experiment. Okay? Okay. And what I'm asking you to do as your part in this is I would like for you in your head to think about your story, your journey. And what I would like you to do as we've just seen with Shireen, is I would like you to think about one defining moment in your life. I don't mean an important moment, I mean a defining moment. All of us in our life only get a handful of them, not many. Something where you look and say, my life was moving in one direction and then this happened and now my life is moving in a different direction. Where you would say that if anyone knows you, they need to know about this event in your life. That you, your character, your trajectory in life, nothing is the same after this event. And I want you to know as you think about it that I am not gonna be asking you to share this with anybody. Because I know that these are deeply personal stories and memories. There's no note cards on the chairs. We're not gonna ask you to write anything down. We're not gonna ask you to turn anyway. But what I want you to do is to go to one of those defining moments, maybe the first thing that comes to your mind. And as you go there, I want you to think about it. What was joyful about it? What was hard? Who were the people that were involved What were the things that are different about you or in your life as a result of that moment? I want you to see and to think about the details of it. And as you do, we're going to turn to this scripture passage we've been looking at, which is a defining moment in the life of Samuel. And I'd like you to hold on to yours as we read once again from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that no matter who we are or how we walk in here, doubts, what opinions, what thoughts, what dreams, what hopes, that we would meet you today and that we would hear your gospel, your good news, and it would change us forever. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So as a recap, we're in a teaching series entitled Growing Smaller. And what we've done the first three weeks is we've kind of taken this idea for this series and said that we live at a time in human history where we are moving fast all the time. We are unique generation and that we have more options for life and for entertainment than really any generation that's ever come before in history. Through technology, we're tied in with each other all the time. We're tied in with world events all the time. We're tied in with pundits who tell us what's going on and who to blame and what you should do as a result. We are tied in with... Our families, through texts, through uh, social media, through Instagram, we're uh, tied in with uh, all kinds of things at work. It's like we're never really turned off because we can always have someone get in touch with us at any point. Our children and our grandchildren can sign up for all kinds of different activities. We can go on vacations all around the world. We can sign up and and make certain that no one's missing any uh, after school activities. We can be busy all the time. Studies show we are busier and busier and busier all the time, constantly doing stuff. And the net result is we should be happier, right? because there's just endless options for us and yet studies show that some things are happening they shows that we're we're more tired than ever before cuz we're running so hard it shows that we're more stressed Than we've ever been before. We're feeling more pressure and the good news is our children are feeling more pressure as well and our grandchildren are feeling more pressure and more stress as well and we're going to bed at night exhausted from trying to keep all this in our head and doing all of this different stuff and we don't feel like we're doing any of it very well. It's awesome. (laughs) And so what we've said is, is that we want to build our lives as people of faith differently. We don't want to just be running as hard as we can, as fast as we can, and our kids running as hard as they can, as fast as they can all the time. But that we want to be people who, as Craig Barnes says, understand that through faith we are to receive life rather than achieve life receive the life God has for us. And so we said that we want to have the essentials. When we're planning our school calendars, when we're planning what our family calendar is going to be over the next year, as the school year is beginning, the program year is beginning, we want to be really focused on the essentials. What are the foundations that need to be there? No matter how old we are, no matter um, whether we're an extrovert or an introvert, these things need to be there in all of our lives. The first thing we talked about in week one is that we need to be people who have solitude in our life. And this is the, the first kind of, Key discipline or key behavior that we talk about here at Covenant that all of us need to be doing. In solitude, learning to hear the voice of God. Having a prayer life, having a devotional life, having a way that we read scriptures where the Lord is speaking into our lives. If you know somebody whose spiritual life is more about listening than talking to God, you want to be around that person, okay? That's the kind of thing we want. We need to receive the life that God has for us. So what does it mean to pray? What does it mean to have a devotional life? What does it mean to do all of that so that our prayers are not Santa Claus prayers, right? Where we're going like, I need this, my kids need this, my neighbor needs this, and our work needs this, and then amen but where we are listening and hearing the voice of God. So we've tried to create on-ramps here at Covenant in these last few weeks of of resources to help you in your prayer life, in your spiritual life, in your devotional life. And I hope that all of you are, are building your calendars around that. The second of the three things we talked about is community. As we read here, as Samuel learns in solitude to learn to hear the voice of God, we also realize that there are no such things as spiritual giants who are also spiritual lone rangers. Without Eli, Samuel cannot understand what's going on. And so we've said, who are the Eli's in your life? Not just the people you hang out with, as nice as that might be, but who are the people that help you figure out the voice of God? Who know how to pray for you? Who know what's going on with you? Who can help you discern what might God be doing in this time that you are open and honest and authentic with? so that they can really walk with you and you can do the same to them. And so we created on-ramps for that of small groups. And we've, we've been overjoyed by the amount of response we've gotten for small groups and for Bible studies and for all different places to find community so that we're part of a community, not just a crowd. Who are the Eli's in your life? That's number two, solitude, community, and last week we talked about service, the third leg of this three-legged stool. That whatever life God has for you to receive, it's not just for you to consume it and get more and more and more only, But that you and I are called to serve in this world, serve in the city of Austin, serve in the brokenness that we see in the world around us, to serve in the relationships where we live, work, and play, and that we find greater joy as we become a part of serving something bigger than ourselves. Solitude, community, and service in these first three weeks. These need to be the building blocks upon which our lives are shaped and formed. Today, in the fourth week, I actually want us to pull out a little bit in this series and kind of take a 30,000-foot view of calling and receiving the life God has for us, okay? And rather than me telling you what the point is that I want to make today, I am hoping that you have already made the point through how we began the sermon. I want you to go back in your head to that defining moment, moment where your life changed and I'm not gonna ask you to share it, I promise you I wouldn't do that. But I am gonna get you to respond to this experiment by raising your hand, because all of you are gonna be in one of two categories. And I'm telling you from the beginning, there's not a right or wrong answer for this, so just be, just be honest, okay? When you think about a defining moment for you, how many, and I want you to raise your hand if this applies to you, how many of you scheduled that moment? How many of you planned for it? It's okay if you raise your hand. This can happen. Like something where you kind of set a goal, and you work for it, this happened, and my life's never been the same. Okay, you guys are even more strongly on the side of uh, what I was hoping would happen, because this would be a very short and pointless sermon if you had all raised your hand at that one. (laughs) How many of your defining moments came in out of left field into your life? Studies show that this is true. And here's what's interesting about this. We live in a culture that obsesses with strategy and planning and organizing and scheduling. And isn't it amazing that the most important things don't happen that way? We spend, as a church an inordinate amount of time planning and strategizing. We have committees that do this. We have long range strategic planning committees. We have short term, we're kind of working at this. We have to try to have our schedules and our programs, like we said, so that there's on ramps. And they're clear when we talk about solitude, we're not just going, all right, good luck with that. But we're on ramping and aligning what we do with those things and community and everything else. It takes a lot of planning, it takes a lot of work. This is the world that we live in. Uh, In terms of your own life, I bet you spend a lot of time organizing, calendaring, making certain families on who's picking up and carpooling. I'm not saying any of that is bad or wrong. I like scheduling. I like strategy. I like that stuff. But it's important to see that the defining moments are often the things that come in out of left field. And the question is, can you and I be open to, as Craig Barnes writes, when God interrupts? Because if you and I go into this school year and planning and everything else that's gonna happen this year and if you come to the end of this year or as we as a church 12 months from now come back and the most important places we saw God were in the places that we're planning to see God right now as we go into it, we probably missed the best things God had for us. And you've exhibited that through your responses to my question. We probably missed the defining moment because we're just gonna play it safe. we just have the plan, we have the business proposal, we've got the way, we've got the six year plan for our family and how it's gonna work and we need to stick to the plan. It's so much more comfortable when that's our approach to life. This is a defining moment for Samuel, though. When you go into the Old Testament and you read about Samuel, Samuel's one of the most important leaders in the entire Old Testament. He shapes the nation of Israel, and yet this moment is the defining moment where he learns to hear the voice of God. As it says here, he doesn't know how to hear the voice of God when this moment starts. And so as he goes into this, everything that makes him important as a leader, he learns right here. How to learn to hear the voice of God will shape every. This is the defining moment for him. But when he woke up this day, it was just a Thursday. He didn't wake up going, I think, yeah, yeah, I think today's the day I'm going to learn to hear the voice of God that will shape my life and the rest of the life of Israel. There was nothing on the day calendar. There was nothing, no email reminder popped up telling him that that's what he was supposed to do. But God interrupts in all of that. Like you, when I kind of go to those defining moments, for me, there's just a handful. Some of them are wonderful, right? Like for me, one of those defining moments that's great was the moment in Japan when I met a wonderful Welsh woman at a beach party for the first time. And now we've been married for almost 21 years. You can't know my life without knowing that story. But I didn't wake up that morning in rural Japan going, I think I'm going to marry a British woman and get married. That didn't happen, right? I didn't plan for that, but you can't understand my life without it. In the same way, there are things that I better defining moments for you that are breathtakingly painful. For me... One of the things I'm realizing in my life and where I am today is that in the last eight or nine years, I've lost the three men that shaped me the most in my life. My grandfather, a mentor of mine named Steve Hayner, who died right after I came here, and my father a year and a half ago. It's a tremendous amount of loss that I've experienced, and the cumulative effects of it, I feel in very real ways. Those are not ways that when I'm unhealthy, it makes me anxious because it makes me realize how little control over life I have, and I like to plan and feel in control. But in my best moments, God's a part of those because God is redeeming the bad. For example, in my healthy moments, one of the things that I'm very aware of is to try not to take the little moments for granted, to take the daily relationships with people for granted, and to try to sit in them and soak them up even more than I normally would. And I think I'm a better person because of it. I think God takes even the breathtakingly difficult, painful things and transforms them and redeems them as he is doing in my life and in my journey and in yours. But the question is, can we be open for when God interrupts? This is how God works. And to understand this, it's not about understanding Samuel and wanting to be like Samuel, but Samuel is part of a heritage that is passed down to you and I. What Samuel, what makes Samuel special is not that he's just some spiritual superhero that you and I can't be. What makes Samuel special is that he follows in a long line of men and women who are open to God interrupting their life. Because they have an understanding about God that's super important. God is not a tiny little God who's just hoping to keep life safe and okay. Okay. God is an enormously big God who is seeking to transform the world. God is seeking to bring justice all over this world. God is seeking to eradicate slavery in this world. God is seeking to liberate us from systems of injustice that enslave us as a people. God is seeking to transform marriages and hearts and lives and families and communities. And God is doing amazingly breathtaking, huge work. And God is inviting you and I to help and come be a part of it. He's saying, I want you to come be a part of this huge work I'm doing, but the work I'm doing isn't in your schedule. It's not in your day plan. It's bigger than what you are planning for your day, for your week, for your year, and for your life. And Samuel is able to say, yes, this is what God does Think about in the book of Genesis at the very beginning, God calls Abram and says, I'm going to lead you to a different land and I want to establish a covenant where I will be your God and you will be my people and, and, and you got to leave what you know and, and journey out to this new place, but I'll be with you and I'll make you the father of, of many nations. And, and as he goes, uh, uh, Abram doesn't get any kind of plan going, here's the five step plan as to how this will work or here's the business proposal of what it will be and here's the investment that's going to go into it and here's the safety net that's there. Abram just says, okay, and he goes and he it changes the world forever because Abram allows God to interrupt. It's what happens with Moses in the book of Exodus where Moses is just tending his father-in-law's sheep, man. He's just like, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. And God shows up as he's there and says, guess what, all of your people are in slavery and in Egypt and I am gonna send you to go to the courts of Pharaoh to declare that it's time to let my people go and deliberate them. And Moses goes, I don't think so. I don't have the resume. I'm not the person. There is somebody better than me. And God goes, no, it is you. And Moses, in the end, is able to go, okay. And yes, it might have messed up his family's spring break plans when he went and did it. But he said, okay. And he goes and he becomes part of this huge story because he allows God to interrupt. It's what happens in the New Testament. On the Sea of Galilee, when Jesus encounters Peter and James and John, And says, instead of now being fishermen, I want you to come walk with me and I'll make you a fisher of men. I'm going to change the trajectory of your life and you are going to change this world. And he does not give them the five-step process as to how it's going to work. And the beauty of what they do is that they say yes to the interruption. Will you, will your family, will this church, because this is an easy time of covenant. Like We're free of debt. Just play it safe. Just play it safe. That's not our call. That's not our call. To end this, and I love giving action steps. If you've been here before, you know this. I believe in action steps. Uh, So when we talk about solitude, it's not just going, yeah, solitude, that's an interesting thought. And then when you get to the parking lot, you're thinking about, the Longhorns lost last night again or whatever it is, right? I know it disappears real fast. So it's like if there's an action step, it might lead to change. Community, here's the on-ramp to community. Small groups, here's how you do it. But there's no action step for this. There's no action step for what if God interrupts. Rather, what we need to do today is we need to leave here with a sense of expectation that it could happen and have our radar up for what the Holy Spirit going to do. We're to live that way. Now we've got some images that that have come to us through the years of this when we tried to embody this. Uh, Tom Toole was a guest preacher with us several years ago and he talked about some of these values and and, and he invited us to to try to be open to the Holy Spirit by praying with our, our palms open and up. He said, whenever you pray, and I do this a lot to try to be open to God's interruptions, is pray, and Tom said, when you pray, just say, Lord, put into my hands what you want to put in and take out what you want to take out. If you were here at that point, he said, most of us live lives with clenched fists, holding on to things. He said, no, pray this way. That's the same thing. Be open to the interruptions. Uh, a few months ago, I, I, I talked to you about uh, the Jesuit order and how they train their, uh, the, the brothers for their, for their order. And at the end of their training, they talk about the image of how to live this way. And they say, and I can't hold this for long, but they say, uh, to live life on one foot with one foot poised in the air, constantly ready to take a step in any direction. If God calls me to go here, I'm ready. If God calls me to go here, I'm ready. Live life like this. It's a beautiful image. I'm going to give you another image that doesn't have any of that kind of depth or power to it, but I think it works, and I want this to be an image that allows you to think about how to live our lives this week and be open to God's interruptions. We're going to bring it up here. It's one of my favorite images I've ever seen in my life (laughs) for so many reasons. This has been floating around online. If you're in the Lamplighters Bible study, our parish associate uh, used this as an example of the Holy Spirit. But this is great. Um, This is a kid at the top of a roller coaster ready to take a plunge on a ride. You should feel that way in your life. I'm being being serious. Our church should feel this way. We should know at the end of this year as we look back on it, where were the moments where we had that feeling? And what I love about this is this woman, the, the mother I assume, is laughing, but she's not laughing at the little boy. She's not laughing at his terror. She's holding his hand and comforting him. She's letting him lean into her. She's laughing because where he sees terror on the ride ahead and probably wants to get off the ride for what seems like safety, she knows it's gonna be an adventure that will be awesome. I'd like that image just to stay with you because this should be the way we go out of here living our lives. And the last thing I wanna give you is not just an image, but I wanna close with a prayer. It's a prayer that I'm gonna be praying for you and I hope you'll pray for me and that we will pray together for this church. The prayer comes, and we'll just keep this up here as we close, because the prayer is a prayer that I think embodies this message uh, of, from the image. This comes from a pastor named Erwin McManus. Erwin McManus writes about his son going to summer camp for the first time ever. And as you know, when you have a child going away for the first time, no matter when it is, the child feels like that when you're dropping him off, but you also feel that way, and you're trying to be calm, right? Right? And he talks about their, he and his wife dropping their son off at, at summer camp. And he uh, spent a week there. He said, Every day we were looking online, trying to see photos. We were praying for him every day, wondering what was going on. We picked him up six days later. And as we picked him up, he, he came and he ran to us and he was like, he, he was just talking nonstop. Like, he loved it. He was telling them all that he did. He introduced him to friends. He introduced him to counselors. They said, We got him home. He was talking in the car the whole way. He just seemed to have a great time. We opened his footlocker when we got home. It smelled like a swamp. And he goes, That, but he must have had a good time for like whatever made that smell must have been a lot of fun. And his son was just going on and on. But when he, he went to time to go to bed that night, he he took his son into his room, kind of like Samuel here um, with Eli, is that a few minutes later after putting him to bed and telling him good night, his son came out of the room. And he kept talking about it. They said, why are you out? You need to go back to bed. Erwin McManus takes his son back to bed and, and lays him down. And he's about to leave again and turn off the light. His son says, Dad, will you keep the light on? And will you sleep in my room tonight? And Erwin McManus said, why? What's going on? It turned out that on the last night of camp, they had told ghost stories. (laughs) And his son didn't want to sleep by himself. And Erwin McManus looked at his son and said, well, before I sleep in here tonight with the lights on, what what if we pray together about this? said, what do you think we should pray for? And his son said, Dad, just, if you're going to pray for something, pray that I'll be safe. That God will keep me safe tonight as I sleep. And Irwin McManus said that as a parent, he heard that, and he understood the desire to pray for that. But he said, then Irwin McManus looked at his son and saw that the only reason he wanted that was because his son was scared. And that not that safety is bad, but that sometimes we can want that because it's just pure fear motivating us. And he said, the words and the most frequent command in the scriptures came into my mind, which is, do not be afraid. And so he looked at his son and said, what if we pray a different prayer? What if we pray instead that you will be brave? What if we pray that you will be courageous? What if we pray that you will be dangerous? so that if there are any bad things in this room, they will go running from you because you are so strong and so brave and so courageous and so dangerous to the bad things because God made it that way and his son said, okay, Dad, but if you pray for that, make me really, really, really dangerous. (laughs) You see the difference in those two prayers? My prayer for our congregation this year is that we will sit at the top of the ride and that we will pray to be brave. We will pray to be strong. We will pray to be courageous. We will pray to be dangerous so that this city is never the same because God placed some people here in Austin, Texas who stood for something. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would be with us, lead us, and guide us. Be our vision as we stride forward from this place. We lift this prayer up in the name of Jesus. Amen.